Welcome to episode 7 of Easy Ops. My name is James. Today with me is Mondo. Hey, what's up, guys? And today's going to be a little different uh, in, in the sense that normally Ron is our moderator, uh, but he's out on a business trip to New York, so we'll catch up with him next week. Uh, if the format's a little different, that's because we're just winging it, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Right, Mondo? That's right. And Ron, if you are hearing us, have a safe trip and tell us a story. Well, this past week... I know that Mondo and I both watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So we're going to discuss a little bit of our thoughts on that. Uh, let's start with you, Mondo. What did you think of the movie? It was amazing. It was um, a mixed bag of everything. But what really got to me was the comedic aspect. Like all these uh, funny, I would say, I would call them like one-liners from Drax. I, I believe he steals the show in the movie. It was just amazing to watch. I agree. And this is probably the most jokey and probably the most funny out of uh, all the Marvel movies. I, I agree with you in a sense that this was probably the most entertaining in, that I've been in a theater in a long time. Uh, what, did you, what else did you like about the movie? Um, also, it, it does carry like a like a serious undertone, kind of um, like in the background. I don't want to give too much of the movie away. I'm pretty sure everybody's seen it by now. But for those who haven't, um, they're... Is a lot of silliness, but in the background, they are setting up a lot of things for the uh, MCU, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm really digging so far. And all these cameos from uh, uh, all these uh, other characters uh, from, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the 31st century ones, uh, like Stallone, he was playing, I believe it was a Starhawk. Yeah, I was actually surprised. There was a ton of cameos from uh, actors that you didn't expect to be in the movie. And when you saw them, you're like, what? You know what they say, money talks. And uh, if uh, Disney and Marvel can throw, you know, throw around some money, I, I pre I'm pretty sure I want to be in that movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of these actors that do pop up seem to be the older generation, but it was cool to kind of see them. If they need money, they just join a Marvel movie. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> uh, kind of. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, Robert Downey Jr., you know, he's getting up there in age. Uh, great Tony Stark, don't get me wrong. It'll be a shame once we see him leave that character. Like, I don't know who would, you know, replace him. Um, you know, just a little tidbit here and there. But, do you think uh, they're going to just kill off Tony Stark, the character, or do you think they're going to recast him? They'll probably recast. I hope they don't really kill off Cap because that would be really disappointing. Um, I believe he's like uh, just doing that Infinity War movie, and I think that's it. I, oh, I well, we'll see what happens in terms of that. Um, what else did you like, Mondo, in regards to the movie? Is there any also anything that you didn't like? No. Um, well, I liked all the aspects. I, I just wish um, like a couple of more things. Like they they focus on like other characters. They kind of picked and choose who they wanted to. You know, the vocal point was uh, the relationship between Peter Quill and the rest of his teammates. But I feel maybe they could have just focused a little bit more on. Uh, I, I like the whole aspect of the relationship between either you know. Here we have sister and sister, Gamora and Nebula. I, I kind of wish we saw more of them interact, which we did, which was really, really great. But I just felt like maybe they could build more upon the relationship. I agree. Um, one of the few cons, I don't not like this movie, but the one thing that I did have a small little nitpick in a set about this movie, which makes me think this movie is slightly not as good as the first movie, in my opinion, is that... They do kind of the same thing that Star Trek does in the sense that they split up a lot of the characters. 
I kind of went into this movie wanting the whole team to be together and work as a team, that banter. But I understand why they did it, but just it made the story take a little bit to get along. They had to split up these characters just so they can go on their own personal journeys, which was great because everyone had their own little arc. But I could have went more with if they were all together all at once. I would prefer that. But other than that, I didn't really have too many problems with it. What do you think of the villains of this movie, specifically Kurt Russell and that group of gold people? I forget their name, but um, in terms of their conflict against the group here. Oh, man. Uh, I'm a big Kurt Russell fan. Um, Me too. He did a great job. And apparently that uh, flashback scene, they really didn't use any CGI. So it was just, you know, makeup and, you know, moving around his, uh, you know, I don't. I'm going to sound harsh right now, but his old man skin kind of, you know, pull it back and, you know, you do some stuff with the lighting, which was great because at first when I was looking at him as a younger Kurt Russell, I was like, man, that's got to be like some great CGI or something. So that wasn't CGI because, man, if it wasn't or was, even if it was, that's some peak de-aging special effects going on here. Yeah, uh, apparently there was like a a video and I will give credit where credit is due. It was uh, with IGN and he was just doing an interview and he goes, yeah, you know. Basically, uh, talking to the reporter, uh, that it wasn't CGI. Basically, maybe he, you know, he was like, you know, just a little bit of movie magic, but it wasn't, you know, to the extent where they put something on my face. You know, they didn't do anything really, really that much. It was just a makeup artist and he's had like this established relationship. So it just worked out basically the lighting, the makeup, certain angles. And it was, it worked to a T basically. Hey, maybe if they perfect this technology or her computer effects or whatever they're doing to make these older actors look young, they can finally do sequels to their old ass movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still hoping for an escape from whatever Cleveland or L.A. Yeah, get a younger snake out there, you know, uh, and it's a escape from New York, escape from Cleveland. I don't know. No, well, <laughs> well, well, because, yeah. well, because they in the first movie was escape from New York. Second one was, was escape from L.A. But they keep hinting at escape from Cleveland like it was a past event that happened prior to New York. So I was just hoping maybe one day they'll get back into that. If John Carpenter ever wants to get back to that universe, that'd be kind of cool to uh, hear about that Cleveland adventures for Snake Plissken. But besides that. Um, the gold people, what'd you think of them? Oh, man. Uh, hysterical. They're, they're pretty, uh, you know, serious face people, but when you get them riled up, <laughs> they show like a different side to them. Uh, I did enjoy the fact, uh, that guardians of the galaxy two had all these little, um, after credit or post credit scenes. And, you know, I don't want to give, uh, again, we don't want to give out too many spoilers here because we want them to go enjoy the movie. But um, towards the end, we just see that the uh, leader, and I'm, and I'm forgetting the gold people too. Um, um, I know it starts with an S. Was it, I want to say Sovereign or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. They yeah. just have like giant <laughs> yeah. walking Oscar trophies. <laughs> no clue. Yeah, I just like how she was so, ra- you know, like all rattled and her hair is all messed up because they're like these pristine, perfect beings, you know, and it was just, uh, I-, I thought they were great. Um, kind of wanted a little bit more emphasis, but... I mean, same here. I, I it was just a little bit, you know, kind of like it was kind of like a uh, like a formula, like you said, like in uh, like in the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Lord's beef with uh, I forget the uh, the guy um, who was the main antagonist, uh, R- uh, Ronan's crew Ronin. in the beginning. That, that's how bad kind of the villains are. In yeah. Marvel. they really are not very memorable. Yeah, he was fighting his henchmen, and it's like it's just weird that they use the same formula where you see them in the beginning, you might see them towards the middle. 
and then you see him at the end and then everything else is like in between you know uh a guardian storyline or or uh, a different villain storyline you know to fill in the gaps right and the, i honestly thought that even these gold people while they look cool visually they were kind of the weakest part of the movie i understand they were, they had to be there I guess, to get some of the plot moving. But technically, they could have been excised out of the movie and the movie would have still been fine. But you know who's to blame here, right? It's Rocket. (laughs) Rocket in this movie, he's the one that causes a lot of the trouble of the Guardians. He is still haunted by his, you know, his creators or what created him, what he is. And then what's kind of uh, surprising in this movie, which is a cool thing they did with one of the characters from the first movie, his name is Yondu. Uh, by Michael Rooker, they gave him a full arc from the first movie, which makes you kind of sympathize with him. And also, he became probably one of the best characters in this movie. I honestly thought Yondu and Drax were the best characters. There's also a new character. Her name is Mantis. She has this weird power where she can feel people's emotions. And uh, she was a good like companion in terms of the comedic factor with Drax. What do you think? Um, You know, I'm going to quote a line, you know. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, when, when when you guys listen yeah. or watch that movie, that was probably a good scene stealer right there. <laughs> you, you know, out of context, it's kind of weird, but when you watch the movie, it was awesome. You know, but touching on Mantis, uh, at first I was just kind of like, eh, you know, it's a uh, there's a good chemistry there between her and Drax, comedic side. Um, just seeing her in action was just kind of like, wow, these are her powers. Because uh, I'll be honest, I haven't read too much uh, Guardians. I, I mean, I know who they were. Uh, in retrospect, and where, you know, I did my research of like, okay, these are the Guardians and they're doing a story about them, but I didn't know. Who- to be fair, the this iteration of the Guardians is pretty recent. I would say they're not even 10 years old. So they're pretty recent. So it's pretty understandable. You know, for me, I, I didn't know too much about this particular group, but, you know, it's these movies bring these, uh, I guess you say D-list Marvel characters into a whole new light and we end up in- enjoying them. Like, who would have thought that we would care for a talking raccoon and a basically walking baby twig yeah <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that baby Groot what do you think of him oh man uh, I loved it um can he well I just want him you know throughout the MCU just to be the uh like you like you just uh, call them a small twig or uh I was listening to K-Rock and Somebody uh, said that he looked like a little upside down broomstick, but uh, regardless <laughs> of that, <laughs> yeah, regardless of that, uh, I really, really enjoyed all of his scenes. It was just kind of like, it was cute, you know, uh, I-, I loved it. I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, if anybody with, uh, you know, kids, um, they're going to, you know, love baby Groot instantly because he just, he's, you know. He's ultimate not- adorbs because... Yo, Every yeah. time he was on screen, you know, you can audibly hear people in the theater go, oh, and <laughs> no matter what he did, he could be really- killing, <laughs> he could be killing somebody. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Aww. so cute. You know, you're a murderer, but, yeah, but oh, you're so cute. You know, his limbs are going over here and, you know, he, he's, he's decapitated, but you're, you're so cute. <laughs> right. So overall, uh, this movie, it's, it's so funny to me. I, it was so hard for me to initially, rate this because i was you know i would compare it so much with the first movie and it was it was hard to gather together because i in my opinion i actually thought this was a more entertaining movie than the first one i in my in 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 my mind it was better in a lot of aspects uh the villain was a lot better in terms of kurt russell it was a lot more funny the action was all there the soundtrack was just equally good but for some reason i just couldn't i couldn't 
Yeah, I couldn't uh, picture why I still prefer the first one. I think, and then and then I looked back. I rewatched the first one, and it was. I think it was just the, when it first came out. It was so fresh. It was just that magic. It was hard to recapture again in the second time. And even though they doubled down and everything on the second movie, just that magic of that first one where they're all like getting together, all talking trash together. Um, it was a little bit lost in this one because of that first half, in a sense that they kind of got separated. And I would r- rather see more of these characters together than separated even though they're doing their own personal journeys this one, even even this movie had more feels and more emotion than the first movie there was more of a connection with the first movie because it's it's more like an introduction right i think and, so and when you compare one and two here's the thing like you said part two does that whole thing where they they uh you know unfortunately they do split them apart and then we learn more of the characters in volume two but i feel that the first one i, I think it already established that and it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I felt like, uh, in essence, like, okay, we're spinning the wheel a little bit. And let's get these guys moving onward so they can, you know, interact. Because, I mean, ultimately, that's what we're wanting to see as fans of the MCU. Uh, their interaction with, you know, ultimately uh, with the Avengers leading up to the fight with Thanos. So right. it's just kind of like, hey, you know, you know, part two uh I don't know. I may question the soundtrack just a bit. <laughs> right. I, actually, you know what? Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's debatable. I agree with you there. The first one is for sure. Oh, yeah. The best. Uh, better. I, I, yeah. I apologize. I didn't mean to say better, but I said just as good in a sense that mm-hmm. they put some the great selection of soundtrack. I wouldn't say they're as popular of songs that they chose the second round, but I thought they equally fit for whatever scene or thing that it tied to within the movie. I really like that Fox on the Run song. And they put that in the... <laughs> In the right part is and that electric light orchestra bit in the beginning with uh, Baby Groot. What would you put this in terms of your letter ranking? Uh, I'm gonna give it a high A minus. Oh, nice. I agree with you. For me, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One would be an A. This is a solid A minus, but you know, on par with the first one in terms of enjoyability. You're gonna have a good time if you like Guardians. Yeah, this one you can just you know pop, put some popcorn in your mouth, have a good laugh. Drax. That's all you need to know. Drax. <laughs> right. Batista. He's a, a former WWE wrestler who plays this Drax character. I'm very happy for him. He went from uh, leaving the company to getting this role, which is just perfect for him. You know, I didn't expect that from him, and he and won the company over. didn't expect that from him because <laughs> right. remember they were like, ah, Guardians won. Eh, it's not going to do anything. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mondo, what else has been up to? Oh man, um, last week. Or about a few weeks ago, too, um, you were telling us all about Better Call Saul. And I did the binge from season one, and I caught up to season three. Wow, in a you, couple of weeks? Uh, no, in a matter of days. It took days, me... Wow. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's kind of boring at work. Oh, you didn't hear me say that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, caught up. Amazing, amazing show. Now, I have a brother, and the whole feud between them... It's so relatable to me because you know what, it it's it, it kind of speaks to me and it grabs my attention. Uh, how Saul and his brother they're just like engaged in this you know mini family quarrel, but it just you know it, it the fact that it hits home, that's why I can't stop watching. And then like the hijinks that are involved between you know Mike, uh, Salamanca, and, and you know like all these other uh, characters from you know Breaking Bad basically establishing themselves in this show. It's a work of art. That's I agree. The best. I'm yeah. I'm so happy that you finally caught up. And that last episode, like how oh. <laughs> how good was that? Am I right? Oh man, he you know 
uh, take it like a grain of salt, Chuck. Uh, that's uh, Saul's brother. <laughs> but he got you. Bam. Yeah. He got him. <laughs> this uh, series, while being a spinoff, man, it holds its own really well with Breaking Bad. I, I was actually really surprised as well in terms of, it's like, man, they're making a show off Saul. You know, he was an enjoyable character in Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, but like, who would have thought, right? They they made such a good character, like character drama with um, this particular group of characters, some of them that are from Breaking Bad, but... Man, this holds on its own. So looking forward to the next episode. I know it's already halfway done. I think it's on episode six right now for season three. But I just can't wait for it. You know, I'll be sad once this uh, season ends. Yeah, I want more. And the fact that there's these little um, tidbits or hints uh, once each season starts, uh, because they do that black and white uh, silhouette kind of style uh, in regards to Saul. Like, if you pay attention, you can see things that connect to what's going on in the current season, but also like little tidbits of like uh, future events or foreshadowing, you know, like Breaking Bad, which is right. really, really great. For anyone that's not aware, Breaking Bad does this um, cinematic trick or visual trick where whenever they do a black and white scene, it's of a different time or period. And Better Call Saul, they seem to do it maybe once uh, per season in terms of just the first episode of each season. And generally that, those events on the black and white scenes are post Breaking Bad, while everything else on the show is before Breaking Bad. But it's kind of its own mystery on its uh, in its own right. Like what what is going on? Uh, why is he the way it is? I wonder if it's gonna explain that. Uh, but it's kind of weird because it, the show itself is a prequel, so it would have to go somehow uh, concurrently or beyond Breaking Bad at one point. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do with that because that. That is the interesting aspect to that show as well. Yeah, same here. I, I honestly haven't been watching too many other shows right now. Um, based on Ron's recommendation, I've been watching um, Handmaiden's Tale. I'm about four episodes in. It's uh, very interesting so far. I'm not 100% into it as of yet. It's a very interesting concept um, in terms of this dystopian future. Uh, it's getting intriguing as of right now with some of the villains. But I'm going to wait till I finish the whole season before I give it any sort of rating. So that's the only thing I've been catching up on right now. Any other things you're doing, Mondo? Uh, two things. Uh, catching up on comics and anime. A uh, comic that I'm reading right now, it's on the uh, Aliens. Uh, let me see if I have it. In- no, I don't have it in front of me right now. <laughs> but it's a, uh, a continuation story of uh, Hicks and Newt after the second Aliens movie. And I got to tell you, James, once I'm done with it, you're going to... I don't know, maybe Fox is going to kick themselves in the butt by not continuing this storyline from this comic. Because before, it, it, it was canon. But once we got Aliens 3, they kind of just set this comic and it said, you know, in essence, it was like, okay, it's uh, it's there, but it's not part of the storyline. So before you get any further, uh, people aren't aware, Aliens Part 2 had this character, um, Hicks and Newt, which is this girl that they find on the planet LV-421. Um that they end up escaping the island with, or not the island, the planet with Ripley. And how the aliens ended up, they went to cryogenic sleep, I believe. And uh, so you're saying that this comic, con- like, they continue right after they leave the planet or after they've been asleep for a while? After they've been asleep for a while, they get woken up. Uh, you see a teenaged uh, Newt. And um, unfortunately, one of the stipulations while they were writing this comic was that they can mention Ripley, but unfortunately they can't use uh, any drawings or any like uh, visualizations of that character. So 
uh, I mean, but even without that, this whole story is, is just amazing. Basically, it's um, the corporation. Is this Wayland Yutani? The corporation, I believe it is Wayland. They have an alien queen, and they are making her breed, and they're trying to use them as like a weapon. A weapon. And let's just say the uh, the S will hit the fan. And just reading this is, is just oh, really bet. really good. It, it, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. Like even in the movies, anytime they try to weaponize these aliens, it all goes to hell. That's what pretty much the the whole point of part two was. They tried to go back on the planet so they can try to get those research materials and eggs that they've you know researched. And then I guess even though the comic is no longer canon, they kind of did that with. Uh, was it part four, the resurrection, where they try to weaponize it too, and then they bred it with some <laughs> stupid thing? I don't know, but yeah, man, that sounds uh, interesting. How old is this comic? Uh, at least I want to say it came out like in late eighties, early nineties. So it's about I want to say yeah. <laughs> so definitely before three. I think Alien Three was uh, a little maybe mid nineties, early nineties, something like that. I rewatched that not too long ago, and. Uh, Man, does that CGI not hold up? That's, that's the one alien where they used more CGI than they did puppets. And you can tell because that, that CGI is so outdated. But you know what? I actually found that movie a little underrated. It's definitely not as good as part one and two. But it was a cool concept in the sense that they try to emulate kind of part one where there's just one alien. But they're in a prison planet with all guys. But there's only one Ripley. So things get a little bit crazy and then that was a runner alien correct like it's like super <laughs> it comes out of the dog <laughs> it's you know what it's funny because the the original cut came out of a dog but in the director's cut version or whatever the version mm-hmm. that i saw it came out of an ox so huh. i don't know if they why they changed that or they did that um if they did it just for the dvd or blu-ray but that was an interesting change so um, I guess maybe people love dogs and they didn't want to see that happen to the dog, so they may have changed it. I don't know. Or maybe it was more menacing coming out of an ox <laughs> dog. But yeah, man, sounds good. I'll definitely check it out or let me borrow it once you uh, finish it. Oh, definitely. Um, then also I was uh, trying to catch up on – well, I finished Naruto. Uh, I wanted to check out his uh, – the next generation, I guess it's called. It's uh, titled Boruto, Naruto New Generation. Uh, so this is like a story about his son, and I've seen the first three episodes. Um, this is a say, Japanese anime, is that correct? Oh, uh, correct, Japanese anime. And uh, if anybody's out there who, uh, you know, Japan anime, Japan anime, or you know, cartoons, you know, it's fine. You can call them cartoons. Uh, it, it's it's trying to capture the essence of the first series, in where you know he's. Like his father, you know, he's a, a troublemaker, kind of a delinquent. You know, he's a somewhat lazy, but he doesn't let people get to him. And he wants to make his own mark in this uh, in this village that they're in. Uh, they're part of the, the Leaf Village, or in Japanese they call it uh, the Konoha clan. And it, it's, it's somewhat similar, but um, I like the fact that they're kind of establishing and they're kind of doing this whole, like, refresh, like, what is Chakra? What is uh, ninjutsu? What is the academy? So that's good to see. And also that the village itself has been modernized. So you see uh, electronics. You see someone using a laptop. Uh, I think they were kind of like using like <laughs> like these uh, uh, handheld, uh, kind of like a Nintendo DS to spend their you know break time or what what have you. And they're just playing video games as well. So it's nice to see that, hey, you know what? They're moder- modernizing. Uh, it's a... 
modernized anime for like a new generation, just like it states in the title. Um, but it's also trying to grab that essence, like, hey, you know, this is this is like a kind of a rehash, but for is for it still a um, coming of age story? Ah, uh, yes, most definitely, it is a coming in a uh, coming of age. Naruto's son through the eyes of Naruto's son. Okay, eh, sounds good. So, would you say it's a worthy continuation? Is there any go- ongoing conflicts as of yet? What made Naruto really cool was. You know, the initial conflicts that led into battle, things of that nature, alongside with the coming of age story. So is there is it this first? I know it's early, these first three episodes, but does it seem like it's heading anywhere interesting? It does foreshadow something which was really interesting to me because it was uh, like the opening scene to the first episode where uh, it's Baruto kind of in his uh, late teens, uh, early 20s, as it seems. And he's fighting someone, and then basically that someone, uh, which hasn't been introduced yet uh, in his early childhood, pretty much states this line where you know I'm gonna send you, uh, I'm gonna send the seventh, which is is in reference to the seventh Hokage, which is pretty much the head honcho of the village, and that is Baruto's dad, Naruto. He said that he was gonna send him to the same place. So I'm thinking, whoa, did they just give us like a a huge spoiler in the first, you know? Uh, seconds of this anime did you know did this uh character you know kill off naruto so it's just like that that right there was like wow uh, sounds like they're I just teasing this yeah they're just teasing or or maybe you know or they, they could just kill him off <laughs> right well it sounds interesting you know i'll check it out after maybe the first season comes out because these animes they go on forever oh yeah and i want to make sure they're good before i invest anything into it so i'll let you do that and then you report back all right sounds good all right so let's get into video games i haven't been playing much um honestly i've been getting ready for my vacation so i won't be here next week but mondo will be taking over moderation Ooh. with uh, ron being back so there may be a guest speaker but in terms of video games that i've been personally playing uh it's just definitely more mario kart that game has taken over for me especially since i can take it anywhere and just play it any uh you know anytime any place uh but other than that uh the only new thing i've been trying out is final fantasy 6 on my android phone this is an old game this is probably the best final fantasy my personal favorite and it was on sale recently seven. for about seven. What, what was that? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> but it was recently on sale um, for, I believe, five bucks. And you know what? Just for nostalgia's sake, I definitely I picked it up. And this game still holds up. I love this game, man. This is still the best Final Fantasy to me in terms of its characters. It's, it's you know, it's a simple plot, but they modify the graphics where they look very kiddie. I rather prefer the old Super Nintendo pixel graphics. They try to make it touch friendly, so. Instead of having a control where they you select you know inputs, it it kind of is touch based. The only thing it's that part is fine in terms of the battle system, but the moving moving around is still a pain in the ass because it uses a virtual D pad and your finger doesn't necessarily ever figure out where it's sliding from and where it ends. So that's kind of a pain. But the actual game itself, man, I still love this 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 game. These characters. It holds up even till today. It's still probably the best uh, Final Fantasy ever, and it's and I'm gonna actually beat it. What about <laughs> no, you, Mondo? I've been playing Fire Emblem Mobile, man. I, I love those games, those strategy RPGs. So uh, too, this is a free to download game. Uh, you know there are microtransactions in this, um, but I don't think they're that costly. I mean, you don't really need to basically as long as you log in. Uh, what I like about this uh, 
mobile game is that they reward you. So they give you like these spheres and you can summon new characters when you have five. Uh, but what I really like about the summoning with those spheres is that if you collect enough, um, they give you a bit of a discount. So let's say uh, the maximum is five. Uh, you want to get more uh, characters uh, in your party. Uh, first, it'll cost you five summoning stones. Uh, once you do it a second time, if you have enough of those orbs, uh, summoning stones, basically, um, it'll cut it down to four. And then the remaining three, I believe it either stays at four or goes down to three uh, minimum. So I really like that because basically um, I will go ahead and do uh, the I like to call it the daily grind or the uh, daily challenges so I can get more of those orbs. So right now I'm kind of stacked up at 60. I want to wait until I get like either 500 because there's a couple of characters um, that I want to, you know, that I want to get because they're all random. Um, basically going back to Fire Emblem, Awakening, and then the current Fire Emblem, there's a couple of heroes I want in my group. So what is the actual point of this game, though? Is it to collect all the heroes? Um, you can go ahead and do so if you want to do that. But there's also a great story going on. Um, it's setting up the latest installment of, uh, well, not a latest installment. It's like a rehash of Fire Emblem 2 in Japan. And we're just getting that now here in the States. And it's called Fire Emblem Echoes. I believe it's already out or, or is it next week? Uh, Was I it forgot. for 3DS? Uh, correct. For the 3DS. But in, in terms of the actual gameplay, does it is it still like the original Fire Emblem games? Oh, yeah. Um, basically, if your whole squad is defeated, then it's a uh, game over and you may want to try again. It's it still has that uh, hard difficulty aspect where you can, you know, try to play it with the uh, easy mode, normal, hard or lunatic. I tried lunatic. Let's just say uh, I got to level up <laughs> <laughs> in terms of its free to playness. Have you actually paid to do anything or what is there? Uh, that's what's the free to play wall in the game is there like a time system where you can't do certain things after a certain amount of time do you need to grind for certain things to unlock other things or what's the point of paying in this game if you were to were to choose to um you can buy these feathers that uh replenish um your ability to fight um basically you get a maximum per day i believe it was five um because I, I really didn't notice because uh, basically, like I said, I'll just do the daily challenges and oops, I'm out. Um, but your uh, I believe there's like a meter um, and it goes down for every fight that you choose to compete in. So that's one microtransaction. You can buy like these little, um, they, they look like little uh, golden flasks and they'll recharge you. They'll reboot you basically your, uh, your so points. So you can continue to fight so pretty much? To, correct. I see. That's it's, it's not too bad. I mean... Give or take, as long as you have a lot of patience, you can pretty much play all day. That's true. Plus, it's free. So, I mean, the yep. barrier of entry, can't beat that. <laughs> it can't be beat. That's cool, Mondo. Well, on to our news. This is something that both Mondo and I are very excited about. Uh, Injustice yes. 2 is coming out very soon. Is that next week, Mondo? That is next week, man. And we are ready to go with the digital copy. So oh, I'm excited. I'm fortunately not going to be able to play it for a couple of weeks, but you're going to have to report in. Uh, on the podcast here so I can listen to it while I'm away. But uh, Injustice 2 is a fighting game that features DC superheroes. And the company just recently announced uh, the first DLC content, which is usually always characters. And uh, what was surprising about this one is that they featured guest characters that are not part of the DC universe. This specific DLC that's coming out, I'm not sure how far after launch, is uh, The Red Hood, which is Jason Todd in the comics. Uh, Firestar, which is a Teen Titan, and 
Sub Zero, the yep. best DC superhero comic of <laughs> character of all time. <laughs> Sub Zero. No, I'm kidding. He's from Mortal Kombat. So I'm interested to see why they chose Sub Zero out of anybody, any guest character they could have chosen. Uh, more uh, in terms of this company, they tend to go out of the box with their guest characters. For example, Mortal Kombat, um, the last game, they had cool horror movie icons as. Uh, their guest DLC. For example, they had, uh, speaking of aliens, they had the alien <laughs> xenomorph. They had Leatherface. They had, uh, I believe, Jason. And in the older Mortal Kombats, they had Freddy Krueger. So in this one, I felt like they didn't, they were not very original in in sense of uh, their guest characters. However, supposedly there's a couple more that's on this way. Hopefully it's a bit more surprising. Um, but it, it seems like they were a little, I wouldn't say lazy, but I mean, Sub-Zero is just as generic, you know, addition that, you know, could have been passed over, in my opinion. They've crossed over before Mortal Kombat versus DC. I didn't want another retread of that. I was hoping for maybe a movie character. Um, like, or keep in so, essence, you know, keep track with that uh, that horror genre, you know. Give us yeah, some. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, since this is more, I guess, you know, PG-13 compared to Mortal Kombat X's uh, rated R violence, I was hoping maybe they get into the Warner Brothers movie library because uh, DC is owned by Warner Brothers. Maybe bring in like Neo from the Matrix or some stupid crap like that. That would have been cool, you know, even though it would be dumb. It'd be, I'd be cool to see uh, dumb guest characters like that. But what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, last Injustice, we got Scorpion. And then when I saw the, the DLC announced and, you know, like right there, it's like it's Sub-Zero. I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, I was really excited about the uh, Red Hood. Uh, uh, yeah, he looks cool. He looks amazing, man. And, uh, you know, there was that uh, video with the silhouettes. And, like, one of the characters, you know, again, going back into this uh, Mortal Kombat realm, uh, one of them looks, and it definitely is, not just looks, but it's Raiden, the Thunder the thunder God. So that, that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know, boo. <laughs> Uh, they're gonna and, keep bringing out Mortal Kombat characters, man. I just they, wish they go man, like <laughs> at least uh, in the last whatever set of characters they go somewhere outside of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because it's kind of like you might as well call it, uh, you know, MK versus DC two or something. If they're gonna keep doing that, at least Spawn. <laughs> yeah, it's actually been cool. Spawn would be like would fit really well. Um, I know he's not a DC character, but maybe they'll work some deal in there. But I don't know. Uh, I'll, or at I'll least even take Yoda or someone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or at least like maybe the anyone from the Watchmen, because um, they're technically cool. a DC comic book universe now, so they can try to throw in maybe Mister Manhattan or uh, the comedian, we, we Morshock. We might be playing, and then you know his junk's flying around. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's too rated R yeah. for for justice. But yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it comes out. This game comes out next week, so let me know how it is, Mondo. You can. Oh man, definitely. Read, uh, you know, give your impressions. With, uh, with my joystick. <laughs> you that, like to play with your joystick? <laughs> I do. My fight stick. Sorry, my fight stick. <laughs> well, on to uh, our next news here. Uh, Mondo, were you ever a fan of zombie mode in these Call of Duty games? I have to be honest with you. It's either a, a love-hate relationship. Either you love to play the game mode by yourself or with friends, or you hate the fact that you have nobody to play with, so you skip that and you go into the... Um, you know, a uh, PVP multiplayer aspect. Uh, for me, um, it, it depends, you know. Um, I honestly, I kind of skip zombies when it comes to um, that mode or that option in the Call of Duty games. Um, I 
I was enjoying the zombie mode for Black Ops. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The current. Infinite Warfare? Yeah, Infinite Warfare. You know, because it's like a throwback to the 80s and there's like the soundtrack is amazing. So, uh, you know, I'm an 80s child. So that just brought a lot of nostalgia back to me. So I'm really getting a kick out of that. But with the uh, Black Ops 3 Zombie Chronicles, it's like the best of all Call of Duty, you know, zombie maps? I don't know, actually. That's what I'm... Uh, since you're our only resident zombie expert here, <laughs> what, I get, what I get out of it is that uh, this new Black Ops 3 Zombie Chronicles DLC, it's funny that it's coming on a game that... A Call of Duty that's before this most recent one. Mm-hmm. I guess they're still supporting Black Ops 3. Is that this is supposed to be a collection of all the fan-favorite zombie uh i guess maps or modes from all the prior call of duty so it looks like they even go back to the world at war zombie um mode or zombie maps and uh i don't know what do you think of this collection because i've never really played zombies too much i know you used to be into them but what do you think as long as they have a couple of maps from i believe it was uh black ops 2 and there was one that i really enjoyed in black ops 1 if they can get those and i forgot what they were called again sorry guys bad memory (laughs) And you know what the amazing part is, is that this is only available through, you know, uh, digital. You can only buy this as a digital purchase. So you can't really go out to your local uh, retail stores and pick it up as a disc per se. Interesting. So this is just a digital download only. And it's costing the uh, player, you know, the gamers, $29.99. I mean, if you're a big fan of zombies, I say go ahead and pick it up. There we go. That's right. World at War. That was the one that I really enjoyed uh, for zombies whether I was playing alone or with friends uh, online. Uh, I, You know what? I'm going 75 to 25% plus a little 10% mental, 40% physical. Uh, and I may pick this up. I may pick this up, to be honest. All right. Well, the last bit of news here is there is a rumor of a new Far Cry. Um, this specific Far Cry is going to be supposedly anyways western based so this is going to be a open world western game and this is gonna so if if this is true this is gonna be its uh, direct competitor to the new red dead redemption uh sequel that's coming out so that's kind of interesting i do like these games they're like they're like open world survivals they had a good story especially three and four (laughs) it's funny you mentioned three because uh that was the first one i picked up the only thing was i believe we were playing that uh on my pc remember all right every every time i would (laughs) every time i would try to save the the game would just crash on me and i how many times did i start that game from the beginning because it wouldn't save properly it was just one of those things i was like like what the heck is going on am i doing something wrong and i could not get a good proper save point i mean i must have started that game up like 10 different occasions funny thing about far cry 3 i don't know if you remember but uh, and this goes back to better call Saul. That one actor is Voss, the main villain of Far Cry 3. That's the the guy that's been working with Mike that's trying to get rid of Tuco. Nacho? Is that his name, Nacho? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that dude. He kind of looks like him now that you mentioned it. It is It is him. That's, <laughs> that's, what's, cra- that's what's crazy about it. But anyways, uh, this new Far Cry, if true, sounds interesting. I am definitely into Westerns and I'm you know looking forward to seeing a first-person open-world uh, Western, since they never have done that as of yet. Since Red Dead Redemption is strictly a third-person game, there have been first-person Westerns before in the Call of Juarez games, which were awesome, by the oh, way, yeah. but never in over open-world format. So I'm curious to see how they adapt the Far Cry formula in there, because how Far Cry generally worked was there they give you, they throw you in the open world, there's like animals everywhere, so you have to kill them and skin them to 
you know, survive and heal you up. And then there's Create outposts, <laughs> right? There, you, there's outposts that you have to take over uh, by scouting out the the field, and then you can stealth your way in or go guns blazing. So this one's strictly Western based. So I'm kind of curious to see how it works in the sense that there may be saloons that you have to go to. Maybe you have to talk to people and do duels. Uh, so that'd be new. How do you liberate a brothel? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, right? So I'm kind of curious to see how they go with this, if this is true or not. I'm always down for a Far Cry games, but they came out too, they came, they had too many of them. They came out yearly, sort of like Assassin's Creed. So I had a little bit of a Far Cry fatigue. Yeah. So uh, there's been a break. There hasn't been one this last year. I think the la- the one. Far Cry out- Primal? Primal. I never played that because I needed a break. Oh, yeah. from those games. So <laughs> I heard that was okay. Maybe I'll get back to it one day, but um, looking forward to this new one whenever it comes out. And um, that's pretty much it for our gaming news and pretty much our podcast. Do you have anything else to add, Mondo? Uh, no, man. I think we are good for today and just want to let everyone know thank you for liking our Facebook page. You know, it's Easy Operations Podcast. Give us a like, leave comments, and we'll reply to as many as we can. Don't be shy, you know, leave us a comment. For sure. And if anyone has any feedback, you can email us at easyoperationsqa at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. We apologize if uh, it's a little bit rambling or just us talking uh, compared to our prior episodes. But Ron isn't here to moderate, so we have control now. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So let's have a good night.